and welcome to Blind Tag, the wrestling show for people who don't watch wrestling. I am your co-host, Ron Del Volano. And I'm your co-host, Matt Reddick. Thank you for joining me in the studio, Matthew, for this very special... Very special edition. Special edition of Blind, Blind Tag. Tag. We're, we're men stuck out of time, <laughs> and this is, we're approaching things a little different this week. Yeah. We are, uh, yeah, we are, we are not on the typical, the typical timeline. We have fallen into an alternate podcast dimension in which we will not be talking about the week of wrestling, but rather we will be talking about some other stuff, mostly just because you're going to be out of town the week. This I will be out be of released. town. I'll yeah. be out of town. I'm going to uh, beautiful San Diego. San Diego. Beautiful San Diego mm-hmm. for Comic-Con International. Let me, let me say for the record... And I'm very envious of your, uh, of, of your, Thank you. of your going, of my achievement, your achievement, <laughs> of my greatness. It takes, it takes, it takes a special kind of man to, to go it online takes... and purchase flights to San Diego in order to attend a comic convention. It takes a very special kind of man. Yeah. Not, not, not everybody. Very sad kind of man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this week, uh, we're not talking about wrestling as it happens, but we're still going to talk about wrestling and to that end. Have you seen the trailers for... WWE 2K18. We've been, we've been talking about this game mm-hmm. back and forth, coming to the Nintendo Switch at the request of Bray Wyatt. Right, none other than the man himself. And uh, featuring cover artist Seth Rollins. Yep, and, and, uh, and well, in this week we learned some, we got a second sort of trailer, and we learned that the, the exclusive DLC content is going to be the chance to play as none other than Kurt Angle himself, Raw world, General Manager. The world's champion. Yeah. Uh, the first trailer is... Uh, it's it's upsetting what is uh so the premise of this i guess is uh seth breaks into the wwe the vault the vault yeah it's it's like yeah the archives excuse me and he's uh you you get you get shots of all the the classic the great wrestlers Mm -hmm. they're different pieces of memorabilia and stuff like that and he just goes to town on it and just smashing it there's a very sad moment where he walks up to a statue of of andre the giant Mm -hmm. and he puts his hand up on the hand of andre Mm -hmm. and then pulls out a sledgehammer and smashes his head off (laughs) it's a pretty really like a a brutal visceral thing to do just destroy this man that you're i mean kind of sort of comparing yourself to actually sorry this whole thing if i could go back in time and say spoiler alert because you don't find out that it's seth rollins until the end of the video oh yeah (laughs) That's the big I mean, reveal, is I mean, that it was Seth Rollins doing I think this, this video is like 90 seconds long, so yeah. if you haven't watched this 90-second video that was released like four weeks ago, it's I guess... pretty cool, though. Spoiler alert, retroactively. And what you were saying, his his nickname is like the the Kingslayer or something, yeah. is he... So this is like him destroying the former kings is yeah that how the, you interpret this sort of this is this is a weird is that your close read so i don't i don't think that's exactly what they're trying to go for and i think that that is sort of weird he's been saying some slogan lately that's something about like oh it's like be your own hero or something like that be make your own history or something like that that's okay. like the sort of tagline for the game i'll look up the actual one but it, it's weird because like the the sort of gimmick that he's working in this uh, is actually not a gimmick that he's done before because I mean, he was the Kingslayer, but that was literally all about slaying Triple H, who okay. is the King of Kings, right. and that was his you sure. know his WrestleMania match, uh, and also just like definitely some like kind of cheap Game of Thrones pop that they were trying to get, but. The, this this idea of like killing all the greats or destroying all the greats is actually a gimmick that Randy Orton used to work back in the day, and it was like one hundred percent a heel gimmick. They called him the Legend Killer. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that's what you mentioned. I didn't realize it was a completely different person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like 
it, it's weird that they're like trying to tie Seth into that because it was 100% a heel gimmick and it was all about like Randy Orton was literally like trying to kind of in kayfabe kill people and like retire them and stuff That's like insane. that he would do this move that i think they just called it the punt but it was like it was basically just like he would like wait till someone Kick was kind of like <laughs> no uh, straight in the noggin actually he Ooh. would wait until someone was like kind of like on one side of the ring and like they were on all fours and kind of groggy and then he would just sprint across the ring and like field goal kick their head Jeez. presumably like knocking them unconscious and stuff like that uh it, it was a brutal pretty, yeah exactly it was a pretty brutal move they don't really do it anymore kind of because of that but yeah it's like a it, that, that was his kind of thing it's like he was going and he was killing all the greats i think it started with rick flair who he used to be partnered with during evolution but then it like went on to be all these other sort of people and isn't seth rollins also the architect he is the architect what does that mean so yeah you would think he would not necessarily be into like causing structural damage at, right like, uh, yeah at a exactly. building that kind of goes against someone's skull maybe he's just really pissed he's like this 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 brutalist architecture uh you know is really uh really rubbing he, me the wrong really way can't stand gary's just crazy design why would gary Make it this way. Who knows? Uh, wait, wait, seriously, though, what is the architect? Why is he the, the architect? He designed the wrestle. <laughs> he designed the wrestle. He, the, he is, he's called the architect uh, of the shield. He was called... Um, basically, the idea was that he was kind of the mastermind behind the shield. Uh, and this was, this was sort of like retroactively written into his history when the shield kind of disbanded. And they were basically trying to say that like... Seth Rollins was the one who destroyed the shield because he was the one who built it. And they sort of said that he was the one who brought Dean and, and Roman together and was like, together we can be stronger than we can as individuals, blah, blah, blah. We can run this town, that kind of stuff. We can run away with me or something. I don't know. <laughs> Got you. Very good. Um, yeah, so that's why he's called the architect. Oh, the slogan, finally found it. The slogan is be like no one. So the be idea like no is one. that okay. be, your own. be your own wrestler. Exactly. Be Create your own wrestler. Create a wrestler. I'm uh, my own grandpa. <laughs> The idea is that he's like he rather than like trying to follow in the footsteps of all these greats, he's saying like I'm going to destroy this history and write my own sort of thing. Which is, I mean, that that's fun, but it's it, it is also weird because like wrestling is so much about history and like the I don't know, like it is so much about like following in the footsteps of of the people before you, and they do a lot to pay homage and to honor the the sort of greats of the past. Uh, they have a fake hall of fame just that they like induct new people into every year for the sole purpose of of doing this kind of stuff of honoring the past fun fact though this archive does actually exist uh it doesn't look anything like this they every once in a while they do like youtube videos where they go inside it but it is like literally they have a giant warehouse that just has tons and tons and tons of old memorabilia oh, i believe that but yeah. it's not like in display cases and shit that you I can mean, go and smash with a sledgehammer <laughs> some of it i'm sure is in display cases but i don't think any of it is really in, in, in they don't organized really, in a way that you could smash it with a sledgehammer they don't really have a giant headless statue of andre the giant yeah they actually destroyed the only statue of andre the giant they had it was, it was <laughs> like this game better sell copies <laughs> they took a really like verite approach to uh to making this game trailer uh so the second trailer that came out yes uh reveals the special pre-order dlc bonus character god i i really wish we were getting paid to, to talk about this because this is <laughs> really really helping them out yeah explaining marketing. all this all this stuff to them yeah uh but they are cool videos the the really second video though is a hooded figure mm -hmm. is coming and examining the destruction yeah and uh i don't think it does much 
beyond that, just him. I mean, at what he solemnly he, looking at the destruction. It's it's so it, it's interesting because it uh it sort of mirrors the first video in that you have a, a hooded figure that's walking through now this rubble, which was once the uh, the the facility here, the archives, the archives, yeah, and they and they're kind of like going through and like looking at the rubble and like seeing all the things that were broken. I think they do a shot of Andre's headless statue or something like that, and then the last thing that they find is a in they you know seep through some rubble and they find this boot. It's a red, white, and blue boot, and he picks it up, and then it cuts to his face. The first and it's time. Nicholas Cage. It's Nicholas going Cage through the archives, himself, yes, looking for the, the Declaration clues. of Independence. Ah, uh, it's Kurt Angle. It's Kurt Angle, and he looks he looks somber but determined to to avenge whoever got his boot dusty. And that brings us to today. And that brings us to today. It's interesting. We've talked a little bit about like what we've heard about this game and what they're doing, and. I don't. So they've done trailers like this before, where they do uh, like these sort of cinematic trailers for the game to kind of hype it up and 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 stuff like that. Last year, Brock Lesnar was the cover cover person, and so they did this whole thing where it was like they were in Suplex City, and like what would Suplex City look really? like? Yeah, it was it was actually really cool. What they, did like, it look like? It like it was like very like post apocalyptic, like sort of like you know not not dissimilar in sort of tone from the first Seth Rollins video because it was all like dark and like. I think there was some fires and stuff like that. And so they had a sort of similar thing. And it was like, basically, you are, it, it was like very like first person sort of perspective. And so this had this like steady cam shot going through all these different spaces. And like, one of the things I remember is like, you go into this bar and like Dean Ambrose is like making drinks or something like that. And he like mean mugs you. And then the whole time it's like looking right into the camera. So it's like you, you have an interaction with Dean Ambrose, you have an interaction with Seamus. And then it ultimately leads to like, you you confront sort of Brock Lesnar and, so like the, and then you run away. Is the implication that Brock has suplexed all the buildings and all the people <laughs> to just destroy it? Do you know what the suplex city moniker comes from? Just him doing lots of suplexes? Well, yes, but specifically doing a lot of suplexes to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31 in, in California, which I was there for. Uh, oh, beautiful. And uh, so he's doing all these suplexes. And then at, at some point he says, like, he's kind of like stalking Roman Reigns. And he goes, welcome to Suplex City, bitch. And, like, it was completely uncalled for, but the mics yeah. picked it up. And then they were just like, yeah, no, this is good. We're going to go with this. We're going with this. Yeah. But this is interesting because, so, like, the featured cover wrestlers are always heels then? Well, I mean, Seth Rollins is not a heel. That's right. Thing, but like, he's, like, definitely a face. In this, he's a heel. He's destroying all the stuff. In, in the marketing, in, in they're the, heels. In the marketing, yes. Um, I'm trying to think about, like, how Brock Lesnar was being positioned at the time. I mean, I guess if he was feuding with Roman. But in the marketing, if he's the one who... He's the big bad at the end. Yeah. Well, I mean, the marketing of that one did, didn't have sort of a narrative. That's kind of what, it, what the point I'm getting to here is, like, it had a cool tone to it. It had a very, like, cinematic feel to it, but it didn't necessarily have, like, a story. It was just kind of like, here is this world that you are in you are in the world of suplex city so to speak this one is saying bitch. like bitch <laughs> bitch you're in this world this one is saying that there is like an actual story of like seth rollins is destroying stuff kurt angle is like going to seek his vengeance or whatever which is like crazy that's there's never been that much story in a in a w like i don't in a commercial <laughs> right for wwe <laughs> commercials have never had a story but th this leads to me to like we like i said we've been kind of talking about the different gameplay features that have been announced and the different like little bits that we've seen you know talking about the fact that it's going to be on the switch for the first time uh well obviously on the switch for the first very time. exciting but i think like it's the first time in a while it's been on a nintendo console at all which is kind of oh, cool. yeah and and we, like reading the materials they, they there was something about like it made it seem like there was sort of like an open world kind of thing going on like there was something about 
about like you can like free roam through the backstage area yeah, and, and just like talk shit to other wrestlers yeah exactly and so we were speculating about like what that could possibly mean and is this going to be like an open world wrestling game which I'd is like play the hell out of an open I, world wrestling game 100 where you can you. start your own feuds dude i would love it if it was like if there was a, a game that you had to like literally go through the whole career of being a wrestler like you you start like backyard wrestling in like middle of nowhere iowa then you like eventually get the attention of some like indie you know promoters and stuff like that have to kind of work your way up that way you have to like make up your own gimmick yeah right right. that That would be fun eventually have to like find a way to capture the attention of the wwe and then like go through development and go through nxt and eventually become champion it would that would be a fucking incredible game matt as much as i want to keep talking about video games and never talk about wrestling ever again (laughs) we're really here to talk about mr kurt angle we are that is true there's a lot going on with Kurt Angle right now. By the time you hear this, allegedly his his, his secret agenda, whatever, will be will be revealed. So we're, we're, we can't really talk about that. But like, there, the my my thinking is that with that whole thing, they're clearly trying to work him into a main plot for SummerSlam, if not beyond. He's a big deal with this video game. They're clearly trying to promote him there. He, they just inducted him to the Hall of Fame in April, and then immediately brought him like back onto an on screen role. It's the return. It's the return. And to further hyping that up. WWE released a documentary all about Kurt Angle and his and his homecoming. It's and we both watched it. Kurt Angle Homecoming. Yes. Kurt Angle Homecoming. And we did both watch it. This it's is about one... him trying to find a date to the dance. <laughs> it's a it's it's a it's actually not a documentary. It's I, a I teen misspoke. drama. It's a teen drama in the vein of a dramedy sort of, sort of uh, you know sixteen candles Back to the Future kind of thing uh, where it's yeah Kurt Angle. He's back in his high school. He they they realize that he never passed his geometry class. Uh, his so senior he has year. To go back in time. And oh, then not he's back like, in time, but back to high school. Right. And then he, while he's there, he's like, "Well, I got to get a date to homecoming." So so Kurt Angle homecoming. He says, "Well, I'm married and I have kids, but <laughs> there are all these all these young gals around. <laughs> all and these there. I can't bring my old wife to the homecoming dance. Right. What'll they think of me? That's What'll the, the teens think of me? What if he was trying to portray that he was that he was actually like 18 years old and yeah so but he was spoiler like to dress cool spoiler he really loves his wife and he brings her at the end and everybody is like happy for him yeah they're like i can finally be he he finally decides that he can be the man that he is and he is his like, wife i'm she, in my 50s and she this is takes my her wife. glasses off and unpins her hair <laughs> and he realizes wow you were beautiful all along all along i didn't need this young this young millennial this young teen Ugh. yeah that kind of got weird sorry Kind anyway, of got weird. Kurt Angle Homecoming is Kurt a documentary it's a about documentary. him. It's on the WWE Network. It's, it's part bad. of the series of docs that WWE's started doing in the past couple of years since they've, and they've all been on the, the network. They're called WWE 24, uh, which I assume is like a 24 hours kind of thing. Maybe they're like trying to kind of sort of make a play at 30 for 30. I don't know. I'm not here to discuss that's, their marketing. That's kind of what I got from it. So this one is is the most recent one they did. They recently did one about Finn Balor too, which was also great. Maybe we, we'll talk about that at a later date. But the first one that they did was about WrestleMania 30. I think I watched that one too, and it was also quite good because WrestleMania 30 was phenomenal. But this one is all about Kurt Angle, and it kind of it opens with his sort of return to WWE and the announcement that he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, and. Um, then him going back to the WWE offices in Connecticut for the first time and like saying hi to Vince and Triple H and Stephanie and, and the whole gang. The gang's all there. I'll say it's it's an emotional ride. It really is. Uh, uh, yeah. Kurt Angle has was absolutely like one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. Um I he like he is one of the people that sticks out most in my mind as like a person I watched a lot when I was a kid and he was a very central figure when I was a kid and I really enjoyed watching him. I didn't know that he went 
through all this stuff. And it, boy, he went yeah. through a lot. He's really struggled a lot to get to where he is today. This is what I'm more interested in. In and I've said this repeatedly on the show. Yeah, I'm. I'm much more interested in learning about the wrestlers as people and yeah. like what motivates them to wrestle and like where they came Interesting. from. Interesting. I didn't. R- realize that Kurt was like I knew his gimmick was that he was like a like an athletic wrestler but I didn't right. realize that he was actually like an Olympic gold medalist oh yeah wrestler yeah yeah this was I was thinking about this I think that Kurt Angle kind of paved the way for Brock Lesnar which is a really weird thing to think about but I think Kurt was the first like hey I'm a real athlete oh yeah and that's why I am sort of legitimate here like he is he is 100% legitimately an Olympic gold medalist. He won an, a gold medal at the 1996 Olympics. Yeah, and that's what they, they, they brought him in as that person. He was one of the first people in a, in a long time that I can remember that used his real name as, as his wrestling name. Like John Cena does that now. A few other people do it. Brock Lesnar does that now. I was surprised about that too. Yeah, but he was like, I am Kurt Angle and I will be wrestling as Kurt Angle. It was the first time that I can remember that they really like played into sort of that real world, I'm a legit guy kind of thing. And we've talked about before, like, they try and do that stuff a lot. Like, they talk about, like, Mojo Raleigh had a football background. Roman Reigns had a football background. Even The Rock had a football background. But they like, all do. Right. And mostly Brock Lesnar had a football background. But none of them were really, like, successful there. Whereas, right. like, Kurt was a, a gold medalist. I mean, Brock Lesnar is a UFC champion, and he's also an amateur wrestling, uh, at least NCAA champion. I don't think he did Olympics or anything like that. But, yeah, and they, they love to talk about that kind of stuff. It's also interesting because as we find out later well, later on. I guess I don't touch on it that much, but, like, Kurt had some amazing matches with Brock Lesnar over the years, too. Um, yeah, I'd, I didn't know that their paths crossed because this was such, a, like, a, a long career yeah. that Kurt had, and yeah. so and he hasn't been on the WWE for 11 years. Yeah, well, one of the things that they talked about, actually, was that he spent 10 years outside of the WWE. I didn't realize this. He was only in the WWE for seven years, and he was only wrestling for five of them. Yeah. That was, like, he says that at the end of the of the movie, and I was, like blown away by that because again he's such like a central right such a lasting impression yeah he just like he did so much and was such a huge deal in that five years that i was just like totally totally blown away by that but yeah he in the main event of wrestlemania 19 which was actually here in seattle at safeco field he wrestled brock lesnar for the wwe championship and i believe lost also known for this incredible incredibly bad botch uh where brock lesnar tried to do a shooting star press from like halfway across the ring and came up short and i think maybe hit his head it was it was weird. Ooh. It was a very, very weird match. And I mean, we that. learned that Kurt was was watching or was wrestling that match with a broken damn neck. So, yeah, we also learned that Kurt broke his neck like four times. Yeah, like three times in one year. Yeah, some something crazy like that. I mean, the first time it happened, he was. It was before he was in the WWE. It was actually when he was uh, going through the Olympic. I think. I think it was like the qualifying matches for the Olympics. Yeah, he broke like his neck in a match, and then finished that match. And then finished the Olympics one. and won the fucking gold medal. He wrestled at least five matches at the Olympics with a broken neck, he said. Which well, is he was, he was getting injections. Right. I'm which, sorry. <laughs> if you break your neck, I don't think like an injection is like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Right. Like, yeah. I was also like, can you, if you're getting injections, does that not count as some kind of like, I also had drug that interference? Yeah. Like, is this, I was like, yeah. Is, is he the, revealing something he shouldn't? Right. Was it, the, well, yeah, was the, was the, I don't know, whatever the Olympic governing body, were they aware of that? Or is that stuff just like fine? I don't know. It's, yeah. it's weird. I guess it's not like performance enhancing. But then again, they won't let you take like flu meds and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, if it's making you feel less pain, I would yeah. call that performance enhancing. Well, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe their policies have changed recently. This was also sort of like, I feel like before like doping and steroids was like really a big, big deal. I don't know, US, man. The 90s? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a big deal elsewhere, but, like, I don't know. Was it 
I mean, the the sort of baseball like steroid scandal wasn't until a little bit later, right? Because was, that was more like the early two thousands. Yeah, I think so. Like Mark McGuire and yeah. Sammy Sosa and all that kind of stuff. Have you What's seen it? Sammy Sosa these days? I'm no expert on. Yeah, he's a white guy now, right? It's weird. He's uh, also wearing like an all like like pastel pink suit. The last time I saw him, which was crazy. Just like at the bar. <laughs> yeah, he was just down the street. <laughs> last time I saw out. Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not like super up on uh, steroid abuse and like you know really just drug shocking. interference and major league sports. Yeah. But I, I do know what Sammy Sosa looks like. Mm, yeah, good. <laughs> Keeping up on all the important stuff. <laughs> He's, something's being injected into him. Yikes. He looks frightening. Anyway, back to back to the Russell boys. Yeah, so Kurt Angle broke his neck multiple times. Multiple, How do you... Like, he has this quote where he's like, oh, yeah, I, I heard a loud crack and some crunching. Yeah. And then I was in pain. Yeah. Because I didn't want to lose the point. Yeah. And then I finished the match. And I was like, oh, like I just, I, I cringed on the couch watching it. And yeah. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to. And then like he'd go over all the other times he broke his neck. And it'd be like a slow-mo shot of presumably the. The time that it happened. Yeah. yeah. And you can like kind of see his head snap. And it's oh, just like, yeah. oh, no. It's, it's wild. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of impressed that they had the footage of all this different stuff. And I mean, it wasn't. I don't think they did any like really like super slow mo. Like here is the exact moment when it happens, right, yeah. but they definitely are like this is the match that it happened. Wasn't that grim? Yeah. There's uh, a there's boy, a it was intense. There's a football video game that came out in like the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. I want to say I can't remember what it's called, but like it was rated M. And the big gimmick of that game was that like when you tackled somebody, if you got like a special tackle or something, it would just do like an X-ray shot yeah, and zoom in, and you could just whatever. yeah, you just see like their neck or their arm shattering. I think I think that was when they did that. It was like the only NFL Blitz game that they did on like the modern consoles. I think that was was the, that Blitz. I think it was. I don't Maybe know. Maybe it was something different. But I think it was something different. I think that in that that game was also the game where you could do steroids. You could like choose Jeez. to do steroids. It was wild. <laughs> That's insane. Ridiculous game. Yeah, so they didn't do that in the Kurt Angle homecoming documentary. No, no, no. They did not talk about uh, steroid usage. They did make a reference. So, okay, so the other thing that we find out is to, to deal with all these neck injuries, uh, Kurt Angle became addicted to painkillers. He was taking painkillers and then became addicted and started abusing them. And drinking a lot. And drinking a lot as well. Also not, probably not a good Tried combo. to commit suicide with painkillers. Yeah, <laughs> that he did. It got pretty dark. It got pretty heavy for yeah. a while. Yeah, it really did. I got to say that, like, from, like, a, like a, a sort of filmmaking perspective, I think think that this was like this was a really really well done doc like they got a lot of really cool footage the stuff that they shot themselves was shot really really well but they also just did a really nice job of sort of like pacing the story it's yeah. like they have this sort of outer framework of like taking you through sort of the hall of fame experience and like when he found out when he was getting getting inducted when he got inducted and then it ends with his hall of fame speech and then in between all that they show sort of his like his rise how he became a star when he was at sort of the peak of his career, and then they go into the sort of like, I don't know if that's the climax or whatever, but when he starts like falling away from that, he starts falling into drug use, he breaks his neck a bunch more times, and then eventually ends up leaving the WWE, and then the, the sort of last chapter is about his comeback again and like being at the Hall of Fame. All that kind the of thing stuff. I was most surprised about was this being, this all this happening in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did they have like such high quality footage of just like him undergoing surgery and yeah. like him in the hospital bed? Like, was this recreated or why does this oh, exist? Man. No, it had to. Not have been everybody real, had yeah. a camcorder at that point. Well, yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's WWE, and it was like, like I know that for a while, a lot of his sort of like 
I don't know, injuries and recovery, they were like playing into that and they were very like transparent about that. I think what like I think the so first it was, like time, part of the storyline. Yeah, so they basically. wanted footage in the hospital. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And and that's not an uncommon thing for WWE to do. I remember a few years ago, uh John Cena had some like crazy elbow injury that he had to go back and like he ended up needing surgery and then had this big sort of like comeback moment thing and they put together this amazing little like video package about that. But yeah, they had like HD cameras following him around the whole time and, and capturing footage of the surgery, of his recovery, of his training process. They did the same thing with Seth Rollins. They did the same thing with Finn Balor, like when, when they've been dealing with injuries. So they're very keen on like right. when it when it plays into it. They didn't do that much with Braun Strowman, now that I think about it. They released some pictures of him like in surgery and I think they actually had a little bit of footage in the video package, but certainly didn't give it the full treatment like they do with other guys. I think it's because his injury wasn't as bad as they made it out to be, and they were just using it as an angle it to get really rid of him for thing. a bit yeah. and bring him back. I'm still curious about that. Like, I don't know if he recovered way faster or if it was really just, like, not that bad. I don't know. Who knows? Here's my theory. Here's what I'm th- okay. thinking. I think he got injured, and they thought it was going to be quick, but then they realized it was going to definitely be through extreme rules. So they were like, all right, let's make this be a bigger deal than it is. And they were like, four to six months or whatever, which would be past extreme rules. But they were like, well, we know we'll have him back for the next one. We know we'll have him back for Great Balls of Fire. So then... But then they just decided to make an angle of, like, it's a surprise comeback, which actually I think you called right away. And I was like, no, 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 he's, he's going to be gone. He's not going to be at SummerSlam, none of that. But, yeah, you were— That's you, right, folks. You were right, Ron. That's right. Got to got to take your— You're welcome. Your, 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 uh, your victories hey, where you thank can. you and you're welcome. <laughs> I'll just say that. Anyway. I'll just say thanks so much for acknowledging my superior knowledge about the world of professional wrestling. Yep, there you go. And thank you for being here to bear witness to it. <laughs> My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Oh, wait. The second one was you're welcome. And you're welcome for allowing you to be here to bear witness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. This doc was really cool for me because I feel like it, like I said, it, it kind of took me down memory lane and like reminded me why I loved Kurt Angle so much. He was one of the best sort of like comedic wrestlers I remember for a while. Not in his style, but in just like the stuff that he did backstage. I and, Yeah, I didn't realize that that was a big part of his gimmick, mm-hmm. but like all the clips that they showed, he was really funny. Yeah. And then it makes sense with him being the GM now. Like he has, I don't know if he has really good comedic timing. I don't yeah. know if I'd say that. I think he's 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 lost a step in yeah. the old comedy world. He's definitely like very willing to be the butt of a joke yeah, though. And right. like he's, happy to play into it yeah absolutely well, yeah which is really really great and it, what was really one of the most interesting things for me was he talked about when he was getting started um how difficult it was for him to sort of like turn that corner he oh yeah 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 because he was talking about like when you're a, a quote-unquote real athlete yeah, right you don't you don't celebrate victories like you, you're not right. a showboat right exactly you're supposed to like take all emotion out of it and i think the other thing too is like particularly in amateur wrestling you you really want to have like a stone face because you don't want to show that you're in pain or something like that because right. then because then your opponent would you don't want to show that your that. neck is broken you don't so want to show that your neck is advantage, punches you in then the you neck. might lose some points <laughs> yeah um yeah, no, he talked about, like, so he talked about when he first, like, came on with WWE, he, uh, th- this whole, this whole, like, he talks about starting with WWE, this was really interesting to me. So, basically, he wins the gold medal, and the next day, Vince McMahon is like, hey, come have a visit with me, I want to talk to you about your future with WWE. Offers him a contract, and then Kurt is like, this all sounds cool, that's a lot of money, that's great, but I'm not going to lose because I'm an Olympic champion, you can't ever have me lose. And Vince is like... You're wrong. Get out of here. You don't understand professional wrestling. Yeah. So then Kurt, like, takes some time away from it, decides he wants to give it another shot, and ends up having to go through the whole, like, training process, rigmarole, all that kind of stuff. Eventually proves that he's phenomenal. He's truly an incredible athlete. He gets another contract and gets another chance. 
So then he starts to talk about to Vince about what his character is going to be, and he's like, "People are going to love me. Like I'm an Olympic champion. I'm an All American. Like everybody's going to like cheer me on. This is going to be great, right?" And Vince is immediately like, "Nope, you're going to be a heel." So Vince is talking about like what his character is going to be, and he's saying that you're going to be saying that you're better than everybody because you're a legitimate athlete, that you have intelligence and integrity and uh, intensity, the three eyes, the um, three eyes, and yeah, and just be this. As everybody knows <laughs> that classic bit, the that, three eyes, the classic three eyes. It really was like a big deal. Like he would work it into every promo. When I'm, when uh, when I was a kid and I was watching him and Kurt was kind of like yeah I don't think sure I'll give this a shot but I don't think it's gonna work and like sure enough it worked out incredibly well this was impressive to me just like Vince is very old and right. like very old school and th- there's a lot of like decisions that the WWE makes that feel very old and it's yeah, like why yeah there's there's like a conservatism to all of it but this was the first time where like i could kind of see the steps going yeah. forward and like yeah. oh man he like vince does know as, as like much of a old piece of crap as vince really yeah. is yeah. he knows how to like book wrestlers and, yeah like, absolutely he knows how to sell this yeah yeah I, I was very much impressed by that too like i feel like a lot of especially smart fans today like really question the decision making of vince but it, it does go to show that like a lot of times he does really know what he's doing however I will say that, like, the other thing that's really interesting about watching any of these pieces to me is it's, like, it's yes, it's a documentary, but it's also, it's all very much in control. Of, like, like, it's made by WWE, right? right? This isn't, like, an independent work of journalism or something like that. So they, throughout this whole thing, are doing, like, a very, they're very intentionally trying to make themselves look good, too, and that's right? why I don't know that I believe a lot of the stuff happening. This I know. Is, this is the problem with kayfabe, is yeah. that at what point do you actually start believing like okay all of these things did happen yeah exactly it's like yeah what what, is that exactly what vince said the character was going to be or was it someone else saying like hey maybe this is what we should do and they were contradicting vince and saying like you know something like that like was it vince's idea or was it someone else's did vince actually try and like get him help when he was like abusing painkillers and like trying to wrestle these matches with a broken neck and all this kind of stuff or was he pushing him to do more and pushing him to 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 go farther and stuff like that they talk about at one moment that it was it was in the build-up to uh the wrestlemania 19 match between him and brock lesnar right they were talking about i thought this was interesting too yeah it was it looked like it was it was like the smackdown before wrestlemania was when kurt actually broke his neck and he talked about how he's gonna have to he's gonna have to sit out like there's no way that he could do it he talked to some doctors and they were like it's really really risky all this kind of stuff and he talked about having a call with vince mcmahon and saying like Hey, Vince, you know, like, I know that this is a risk for me, but I really, really want to do this. I want to be the one to wrestle Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, which also just sidebar. It's funny that 10 years prior, that is still the fucking bar that we're chasing is who gets to wrestle Brock, Brock Lesnar. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. He just doesn't go away. Exactly. Brock Lesnar is eternal. He he talks about how um, he, he talks to Vince and he's like, I, I want to do this. I know this is a risk. And he says that Vince is like, you know, I don't know if you should do it. But if that's really what you want to do, then I support your decision or whatever. And then says like, but, but blah blah blah. But I love you. All this kind of stuff, right? Which is like, I don't. I find it very hard to believe that Vince is like, yeah, I'm okay with you destroying my main event at WrestleMania. I'm fine with that. Like, and not just. I I, I imagine it was much more like him being like, are you sure you can't wrestle? Like, you know, you've done this before. Right. Like, maybe you can just kind of play through the pain. Like, rub some dirt in it. Like. 
maybe take some painkillers or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to imply that Vince McMahon started Kurt Angle's drug problem or anything like that. But <laughs> at the same time, here's it's a just handful, like... Here's a fistful of painkillers. Yeah, right. Why don't you just get on out there and just Here's a fistful of painkillers and a slap on the ass. Get out there and, and put on a good match. Uh, there, there were like elements of this where it was really interesting that they were showing so much of the behind-the-scenes yeah. stuff, yeah. especially because, like you said, this was produced at, by the WWE. Right, right. But... At the beginning of the documentary, and I think this is one of the more telling things. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. Okay. So it starts with, like, the first time Kurt's back at the headquarters, yep. and he sees Stephanie McMahon, and he's, like, catching up with her. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to Triple H's office, and he's talking to him, and they're, like, catching up, and it's all buddy-buddy. And then they go to Vince's office, and what happens is... Triple H knocks on the door, mm-hmm. kind of pokes his head in, mm-hmm. and then he opens the door, and he's like, okay, Kurt, go ahead in. Yep. And Kurt and Vince stand up. It's a shot from behind Kurt. And Vince stands up and they hug. Mid-hug, the first thing that Vince does is point at the camera and says, get that out of here. Yeah, right. Like nothing, unless it's completely in his control, nothing can be on camera. Yeah, which is crazy to me. Like this this to me, I don't know if it's like the paranoia of of Vince McMahon, but it's like these are literally all your employees. Like these camera people and the, and the people making this, right. they are employed by like you. You knew this was happening. Right. You set all this stuff up. You're making a documentary that is going to go on your network that you control. Like certainly you could at least watch this before it goes live and be like, yes, I don't want this conversation in there. But like to be like, I don't even want you to film this. It's like so, a level of paranoia I just can't understand. The, the question is, is it... Where does the kayfabe begin and end? Like, does he does he want it to be in the documentary of him telling them to get out? Because it's like, mm, oh, all the secrets of the WWE can't be revealed. Or was this actually a revealing thing? Huh. So was Vince playing a character in this moment, or right. was this actually who Vince is? And it's at wow. a point where these people have been doing this for so long that as much as you want to like be in love with these characters, I find it very difficult to believe a goddamn thing that they say or do yeah yeah wow that's wow that's really interesting man huh i don't know i they call I, me the alex jones of the wwe <laughs> <laughs> oh shit yeah I, I i i guess my inkling is to say that this is actually who vince is in real life because i feel like the character he's played on tv lately has been more of the sort of like benevolent overlord of I feel like that's kind of oxymoronic. You can't really be like an overlord. And is is he like the Howard Hughes of the WWE where now he's just like locked away in like a, a room by himself and like trying to uh, cope with his inner demons and like, is he still really involved or is it in kayfabe right. that he's involved and right. he's really just this crazy old man that they're keeping behind locked doors or is that what he wants you to believe and yeah. it's actually he's still completely in control? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most of like what sort of the internet says is that Vince is still like 100% in control and that slowly but surely Triple H is getting more control. Do you believe anything that's on the internet? <laughs> I believe everything that's on the internet. It's the greatest source of information <laughs> of our time. Have you been on Wikipedia? <laughs> Have you Anybody can edit it. That's how you know it's right. Yeah, exactly. There's a, All a, the experts can go right there and <laughs> add their information to Wikipedia. That's exactly. how you know it's correct. And that's what they do every day. Professors in, at, at universities are like, okay, I'm going to drop off this thesis, and then I'm going to immediately yeah. go to the Wikipedia page and make sure I get all that information out there. I was talking about uh, a couple weeks ago about these uh, these videos that John Cena was doing with GQ and Variety or Vanity Fair or whatever. One of the things that they had him do was like go on Wikipedia and like edit his own Wikipedia page. And it was just like, ex- he would basically just like add Jeez. 
expanding details on it. Like on his Wikipedia page, it apparently says that he loves anime, and okay. he and then he talked about like yes, he does, and his favorite film is this, and this is some <laughs> of the reasons that he likes it, and all this kind of stuff. And it was so like good. it was really really like funny innocuous stuff. But yeah, John John Cena apparently has made some edits on Instagram or on his own Wikipedia page. That's so good. I God, I I I love that he's just having fun with being John Cena. Yeah, I feel like I learned a lot about john cena in the brief moments that he was involved in this too yeah so first of all so john cena made his debut against kurt angle which is which is pretty darn cool and they ended up having a feud for a while and kurt was kind of a mentor for him it seems uh, or at least that's what they make us to believe john cena was also the person to induct kurt angle at the hall of fame and so you kind of close the movie with like seeing the two of them talking to each other and like talking about their their speech and all that kind of stuff and what's going to happen it was just like I don't know, man. John Cena is just like he is always on, and he is always oh like, yeah, for sure. Perfect. Um, this actually made me think of of a conversation that you and I had outside of this podcast the other day. But we, you were talking to some of your friends about uh, WWE versus New Japan, yes, and also kind of how they're booking Roman Reigns because now. In my free time, people just talk to me about wrestling. They think that they can do that. This now, has become because... a part of my life, <laughs> and I fucking hate it. I'm at a point where I have insightful things to say about the WWE. Yeah. And it's very upsetting to me. <laughs> like, halfway, like, I'll be in these conversations, and halfway through, I'll just like, it's just the blood will drain from my face, and yeah. I'll realize what I'm doing, yeah. and I'll, I'll, just go silent and walk out of the room. You've become That's what you've always hated. The only way I can manage these is to just just excuse myself from the conversation <laughs> and go drink. Go drink your Yes, I've, I've become my greatest enemy. Yeah, right. This this podcast is going to drive you down a dark road of... of it already has. Yeah, a darker road. Well, anyway, the thing that your that your friends were saying, uh, or that you told me that your friends were saying, was that... W, so a lot this of This is all are, in kayfabe, though. I don't have friends, oh, right. and they've said nothing. <laughs> it's a little behind the scenes oh, for you. Oh, boy. The, the, the conversation was about, about Roman Reigns and how, like, everybody says that Roman Reigns, they're trying to make him into the next John Cena. They're trying to make him into the next The Rock, all that kind of stuff. But the insight that was made is that they actually don't want to do that. They are trying to book him to be the top of the company, but they have created something that they that they don't want with John Cena and The Rock and that they have created stars that are bigger than the WWE. John right. Cena is more recognizable and important than the WWE is now and John Cena can have a career outside of the WWE. So right. it's like they they want to make Roman Reigns a big star, but they want him to be dependent on the WWE forever. They don't ever want to see him being the sort of like transcendent star that that John Cena is. They don't ever want him to have his own TV show or be in his own movies and stuff like that unless they're, you know, WWE Studios movies right. or something like that. I think that the constant, I guess, for mm-hmm. measuring this yeah. is if you can be an internet meme mm-hmm. that you don't need to have a background in wrestling knowledge to for normal people to understand the meme. Yeah. Then I think you're bigger than the WWE. And they are and they're not happy with that. So like The Rock and John Cena. John Cena, the fucking theme song thing. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Right. And so everybody knows who John Cena is because this meme is so prevalent. Right. The Rock has been in so many movies and all that, the eyebrows, everybody Everybody in the world Everybody. recognizes The Rock. The Rock is probably the biggest star in the entire world. Yeah, absolutely. But like <laughs> Roman Reigns, up until we started doing this show, if somebody made like a Roman Reigns meme, I yeah. wouldn't understand the joke. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Most people would not. That's, that's if your mom point. understands the joke yeah. and it's about a wrestler, that means that the wrestler <laughs> is bigger than the WWE. Uh, I'm trying to think of if my mom would 
would get most jokes, but I don't think so. My mom follows WWE somewhat because my brother and I are so into it. Right, yeah. But mostly she just watches Total Divas. And so it's really funny because okay. she tells us about stuff that happens on Total Divas, but Total Divas is all shot well in advance. So it's like, she's talking like, oh no, Daniel Bryan's going to retire. And it's like six months after Daniel Bryan's had to retire. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's really funny. But yeah, I don't think my mom would get the, the, the sort of nuanced jokes of, of, of Roman Reigns. Fun fact, there's some speculation that the thinking face emoji, the, the one where the guy's like holding his chin, he's raising that, his eyebrow. The rock? Is modeled after the rock, wow. yeah, uh, because like he there's a there's a photo of him, a press photo of him where he's making exactly that face. There are like, like a billion of them. Yeah, it's it's wild. See, I knew you were going to say the rock as you were explaining it because of that. Speaking of divas, my favorite part of this documentary uh-huh. was when it was like the first time Kurt had been backstage again or uh-huh. something, and like like the or like the first time he had interacted with the wrestlers again after coming back. Yeah. And he was just like walking backstage, and there's a very brief moment where Alexa Bliss, just in like a hoodie and sweatpants, did you even catch? This? No, I didn't. She it's just like walks past him in the hall, and you can like kind of see her like side eye him, uh-huh. like, and he like like looks at her and nods, and like it's this moment where absolutely Alexa Bliss is like, "Holy shit, that's Kurt Angle!" Yeah, and Kurt looks at her and goes, uh, "That's some girl who's that's back here." <laughs> <laughs> Who let their teenage daughter back here? <laughs> it was, it's so good. And she's like, I, like, I recognize her because of her hair, but she's right. just wearing like a big hoodie and sweatpants. Yeah, yeah. Like she just looks like somebody who's just back there. I do really love like stuff like that. Like there's a shot where Kurt goes into catering and then goes and like hugs it out with John Cena. But in the background, you see Eric Rowan walking through, who's one of the, the Wyatt family pe- okay. people. So he's got like, he still has his giant beard right, and he's right. shaved bald, but he's just wearing like a gray shirt and like gym shorts. And he's just like got a plate of food in his hand from, from the fucking craft services table or something. <laughs> like that see getting to see stuff like that is always very very entertaining yeah. to me it was oh, also, yeah that whole there was like a whole scene it was it wasn't a press conference but yeah. it was like just a big conference room and everybody is just in casual gear yeah it's like, just oh, like oh, hanging yeah. out yeah it was it was it was interesting too so one of the things that a lot of folks have been talking about about this uh, documentary is this sort of relationship they have with Kurt's non-WWE wrestling career. Because uh, Kurt wrestled with TNA for, for 10 years, longer than he was ever in WWE. Yeah. I am not familiar with his body of work there, but a lot of people have said that some of his best matches of all time were, were in TNA, which is really interesting. So one of the things they did is they had Dixie Carter, who's one of the, the head people of TNA. She was the director. She was the director of TNA? She's the former director of TNA. Okay. Hang on. Before you go into this, keep this in mind. Okay. I made a great joke while watching this. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> uh, I was watching it. Keep this joke in mind while we're, while we're continuing this conversation. The person I was watching with, they missed where it said former director of TNA. Uh-huh. And so the next time she was on the screen, I was asked, oh, is that Kurt's ex-wife? And I said, <laughs> no, it's the former director of TNA. Uh-huh. And, and then I thought, there's a really good joke in there about being the former director of Tits and Ass and being the ex-wife. <laughs> but I don't know, like in an audio medium, I don't know how to... Actually, turn that into uh, a good joke. Going, uh, that DNA. Uh. So, so there you go. That's that's the joke. It's kind of complex. Job. But Great job. Yeah, it's, it's not. It's, Kurt's a, it's a real. It's a real thinker. It's a real, real head scratcher. There. Former director yeah. of TNA. Is that? That's a great. <laughs> that's a great joke. I just haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> um, maybe I'll come back next week, or last week. I guess. Yeah. I guess I guess the idea in the space time continuum that we've created here for <laughs> yeah. ourselves. I guess the idea is that like your your wife, whoever she may be, is the director of Tits and Ass. But then once you get a divorce, she's the former director of Tits and I, Ass. I actually just realized like, are there jokes that we can plant here? Oh boy! So or like put a joke here so that we kind of plant the seed of it in the episode that actually comes out next week. 
and because this one is going to release in the following week. Yeah. So is there a way to do like a pre, like do the punchline now to a joke that <laughs> so actually weird. that we actually make next week? I don't think we are that clever, my friend. I'm gonna be thinking if if most of my, most of my responses for the next while are probably gonna be like, yeah, that's great. Because <laughs> you're just I'm, gonna be cooking oh, yeah, up some cooking up sure. some good comedy back there. Oh, that Kurt. Yeah. Anyway, I was trying to talk about about uh, total nonstop action yes. wrestling. Um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so they, so they interview Dixie Carter, um, and they, they at one point show a screen where they actually put the name TNA Wrestling on, on, on a WWE Network screen, on a WWE Network video, which many are saying is probably the first time that they've done that. Because, oh, that Kurt. Because, because WWE hates to acknowledge their competitors, absolutely hates to acknowledge them. Uh, I also noticed that the, I know it's a WWE property, but right. in Triple H's office, like on his desk, there was like an NXT thing, oh, yeah, which I was also surprised to see because I know they don't really like super acknowledge it like, yeah they do they they, they pretty well do um yeah i, I mean thought, like on raw and smackdown they don't like talk about the influences of nxt so much they kind of oh no they definitely do oh really yeah, yeah all know. the time they're talking about like you know shinsuke well, is a former then. nxt champion and stuff like that they won't talk about what's happened in the indies so that's like we've talked about that before yeah. they don't talk about like what Sami Zayn and kevin owens have done in like ring of honor and stuff like that but likewise they don't talk about what aj styles did in, in tna they don't talk about what samoa joe did in tna and okay. all that kind of stuff well, i'm just gonna go back to thinking about yeah, jokes yeah. that we can stick stick plan. to your, your strong sorry suits as, as you were saying anyway it was just it's it's interesting that they are for the first time willing to acknowledge it and i'm really glad that they did because like i said i don't i don't know much about the body of the, of the work but i know that that was a really important part of his life and of his career especially because it was when he was with tna that he finally like re, like got himself the help he needed to do and checked himself into rehab and I, I mean i think we're led to believe basically saved his own life um, yeah. by by getting helping to 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 quit the painkillers and, and get himself some help and stuff like that this is also kind of a sad moment because he was saying like like even though he wasn't with the wwe mm-hmm. he was like wrestling with tna and hoping that yeah that yeah. uh vince was watching and like because he definitely had there was like a father vince was yeah. a father figure to him and so yeah. he he was hoping that vince was watching and was like seeing that he was still capable of being a great wrestler and all that. Yeah. This is probably irrelevant now because in our weird space-time continuum here, Kurt Angle's big secrets have already been revealed. But I'm speculating now, before he's revealing the secrets, that the person he's been on the phone with is Vince McMahon. And it's something to do with like some kind of connection there. Because they, they talk so much about this doc- in this documentary about the close relationship of Kurt and Vince and how he sees him as a father figure, how they love each other, how they say they love each other, all this kind of stuff. And that was the last thing that Kurt said on Raw before we recorded this episode. He, the, the last thing he said was on the phone. He said, I love you, and then hung up the phone right, or whatever. Yeah. So that's what that's what I think it's going to be. But maybe I'm wrong, and we'll find, we'll find maybe. out last week. <laughs> Maybe it's the former director. <laughs> the DNA. former director. He, he's getting that would be back a with fucking the, wild get if he, they just like started back this with like the former director. He's the, she's the former director. She's not with TNA anymore. Right, that's true. But it, w- it would be crazy if they're, if they're starting some kind of like weird TNA partnership or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be weird. But the other thing I was going to say is like he he talks a lot with Mickey James, AJ Styles, and Samoa Joe, and and all three of them are featured in the documentary speaking about Kurt, which is interesting because they are all former TNA people. They've never really acknowledged that they're former TNA people, uh, and it's basically sort of saying like, yeah, we got to watch him work, and we we got to watch him work these incredible matches, uh, and it was it was a treat. But it was just like nice to see that like he clearly has a very like genuinely a very close relationship with AJ Styles and with Mickey James. I don't know if the same could be said for Samoa Joe, but yeah, they, they like showed them being like very friendly with each other because they do have yeah. story history and all that kind it of stuff. It was cool. That kind of stuff was really cool to just see yeah. see the wrestlers as normal people. I, yeah, I... Their interactions backstage. Right. We, we talked at the top of this about how like 
it's it's really you you really enjoy seeing who these people are as people and not just as wrestlers and stuff like that and that's certainly one of my favorite things as well is just to 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 learn a little bit more about these people as as like actual individuals rather than just these sort of like crazy personas that they adopt for the ring anytime i get to see that kind of stuff i i really love it there was some i think there was a it was a a espn like 30 for 30 doc actually about nxt that they did a long time ago a couple years ago now um and in that they they had a scene where it was some of the more experienced nxt wrestlers talking to some of the new recruits about like cutting promos and working characters and it was just sort of like a q a of like hey you guys are new here we've been here for a little bit what questions can we answer and i remember it was Sami Zayn and tyler breeze and I think one other person that I can't remember and just like getting to see them like talk as real people. Like that was the moment that I fell in love with Sami Zayn and Tyler Breeze as right like on. individuals. And I was like, Hey, I really want to follow these guys careers. I really want to see the most like success for them because they are clearly very like really genuinely awesome people. And it was just really cool to see and that. Here so. we are. And here we are loving Breezango, loving, loving Sami Zayn, even though we, didn't, we haven't talked about him in a little bit. Still loving what he's doing. He it's loves great. He loves that ska. Loves that ska. Loves loves to skank on down to the ring. Loves to make Operation Ivy references on his pants. Yep, it's, it's great. Cool. Well, I've, have we covered all our bases here in this in this stock? I think we've pretty heartily uh, pulled from the Kurt Angle well here. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything else I really wanted to touch on. It's yeah. uh, how many? Uh, how would you rate this documentary? Ooh, okay. All out right. of what's the rating scale? First of all. First of all, what's the rating scale? How um, many broken necks? <laughs> out of five broken necks, how many? <laughs> Would you give this? How many necks would you break to watch this documentary? Oh boy! Well, <laughs> I, I would I I would break four necks to watch this four, documentary. Four, out, four out, of out of five necks. Broken necks. Yeah. No, I I, I, I genuinely thought it was like really well put together yeah, as far as like a documentary. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, maybe that's the thing though. Is like maybe it's so well put together because it's just like yeah, we're we're, we're really controlling the story. Like it's not. You know, if you're working on a like a, a more journalistic piece, you have to deal with sort of like what kind of access can I get, and and what kind of you know, am I going to be able to get this information? I'm going to have to see how this interview goes. I don't know if you have as many opportunities to be like, can you say that part again, but say right. it this way? Maybe Kurt was reading from a script, a script the whole time he was doing these interviews and stuff like that. Okay, we'll never know man. because it's all maybe it's not even. I don't believe any of a it. Documentary at all. It's a work of fiction. It's a rockumentary <laughs> about the rock. Um, oh boy! But That's yeah, one th- good gag was, there. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was really good, uh, and I would definitely recommend other folks watch it if they've got access to the to the WWE network. Oh, I also loved the fact that throughout the whole freaking thing, Kurt Angle is completely incapable of saying the words WWE. He can only say like WWE and Vince said the same thing. He said like the WWE. Oh, did he? Did Vince do it too? Yeah, that's funny. Super weird. Yeah, it's your company. It's a bit a little bit of a mouthful, but WWE dot network dot com great job slash kurt angle colon homecoming dot <laughs> http slash blind tag that's where you can find this episode that's some good uh that's some good seo work that you're doing there ron uh, yeah right Thank if you, you. you want to find this episode yeah <laughs> go to go to try our... go just try going to that url i yeah, dare you see what happens Send us a screenshot of that 404. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, watch it Watch it when you have a chance. If you had some thoughts about it, uh, we would love to hear them. You can send us an email at blindtagcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Twitter at blindtagcast. Thanks again to Small Parks for letting us use their song Restless as our in and out music. And I think that'll do it for us this week. So my name is Matt Raddick, and I have been your face. I am Ron Dalvolano, and I've been your heel. We'll see you next week. We'll see you last week. Whoa. <laughs>